Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. I'm so thrilled to introduce you to a new friend today, Melanie Wegener. Welcome. Thank you so much. We've been connected on social media for quite a long time and you have always, you're so encouraging. It's just one of those things that caught my eye and I'm so grateful for. And I love all the things that you post. You're so eclectic. You used to be money savvy mama. So they're talking about all sorts of ways that we can enhance our families through minimalism or through different ways we use our gear and our clothing and side hustles, all this important stuff that you're doing, that you're kind of leading the way. But then you also have a whole piece about getting kids outdoors. And I mean, just so many topics that you talk about beyond the managing money. And so I know you recently changed your name from Money Savvy Mama just to Savvy Mama, which is cool because they talk about all the different things. So I would love if you took a few minutes to introduce yourself could tell us where you're from, tell us a little bit about your family, and then why you started the things that you're writing about. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very grateful. So yeah, I'm Mel. Um, I'm from Adelaide in South Australia. I've been married to my husband for 11 years tomorrow. Um, we have three little boys, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. So life's busy and noisy, but fun. We live a couple of streets back from a conservation park and we have creeks other side of our street, um, which is really fun. So last week we had a kangaroo on our street and we regularly see koalas and kookaburras. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. Wow. Um, not every street really has a kangaroo down it, but our street is lucky enough to have that. So yeah, I'm a primary school teacher. I'm doing relief teaching or substitute teaching at the moment. I just find that's a really good mix for our family. I'm the governing council for my son's school and I hold the wellbeing and education portfolio. I prefer to mow the lawn to cooking. I like to advocate for change. So I'm always writing letters and annoying local politicians to see some things happen. I like entering competitions. I've done some pretty cool stuff, which is which is a lot cool. I guess when I became a mother, I was overwhelmed with the stuff that was in our house. It never seemed to bother me before. And then something changed. As soon as I became a mum and I was trapped under my beautiful baby, I just looked at all like the house unraveling and not being able to do anything about it. And it really bothered me. And after speaking to other mothers, I realized I wasn't alone. So yeah, I started just writing about decluttering on Facebook and a friend said, oh, maybe go on Instagram. And then I sort of shared about that and then saving some money, side hustles for the tips. But then the older I get or the more into parenting I get, I feel like the outdoors thing is actually more important than anything because, you know, when we're happy and we're doing well as mothers and our children are happy, it affects everything. And so I feel like that's going to my teaching and how I um, approach that um, and then my parenting. And um, yeah, just like it's such a passion at the moment for me. So yeah, that's why I changed my name. I, I'm not trained in money and I feel like, oh, you've got to be careful about giving advice. Whereas if I just go with Savvy Mama, I can write about all the random things that pop into my brain. Yeah, you have just really cool insight about a lot of different topics. So people can find you on Instagram and Facebook and then on your website. Savvy Mama, two V's, two M's, Savvy Mama, and just a lot of great information there. I'd love to start, (laughs) this is a random one, just because we've never, ever talked about it before. And I don't really think I've hardly seen anybody else talk about it before. But when you're talking about managing money, and you have all sorts of fantastic ideas and the side hustles and things like that. One of the things you say is that you have, you've won all sorts of competitions. You have these tips, like you've won over $40,000 in prizes. So just because it's fun and interesting and different, can we start there? Can you tell us how you got into competitions and how are you winning these? 
Sure. Yeah, it's a bit of a random thing. When I was little, I always liked entering competitions. I remember entering a library competition and won a sports bag when I was seven, and that kind of started me on the track to entering more. I feel like I've got an addictive personality, so I would never start gambling or buying lottery tickets. So I only enter competitions that are free, and yeah, I just give them a go. When I was breastfeeding, you know, you stay up a lot overnight and I look at your phone. So I wanted to make the most of that time, so I'd enter competitions. <laughs> there was one I remember very clearly. I was lying next to my son, who wasn't a good sleeper. And so there was a competition that came up with our local football team, AFL. And so it was a 25 word or less competition about what the mascot would pack in the suitcase. And so I came up with a limerick, I quite like writing, and controversially was four words over the limit. But (laughs) somehow there weren't many other entries that were very good. And so I won the first stage, much to people's frustration. They weren't very happy with that. And then I got to run Adelaide Oval at halftime as part of a um yeah, the competition and so I had to run against this LED plane around the edge of the stadium which was a dream come true who wouldn't want to run at a stadium and so I won that part of the comp so then I could choose business class flights to New York Paris Rome or LA London or LA um which was amazing so we chose to go to New York City we had a toddler at the time and we thought oh that's cool we'll just take him along and toddler and business class was interesting. Um, I felt bad the other passengers, but that's okay. And so we stayed for a month in America. We loved it. We thought, look, we're not going to come back for a while. And then later that year, I had another baby and then got a call saying, oh, congratulations, you've won a trip to New Orleans. And my husband was like, what do you mean? Like another trip <laughs> to America. <laughs> so there you go. It's, um, there's lots of things out there to be won. That is so fun. It's so fun. And I love that you have you have a whole article on it on your website. If people are interested, it's seven tips how to win competitions over at SavvyMama.com. This really an interesting, like that's a really unique tidbit about yourself that like started when you're seven and here it's, it's still enhancing your life now that you're a mom and, and have a child that's also that's now seven. So that's a fun way to get out there and to do things Thank you. especially if you're on a limited budget okay i'm going to totally switch i'm switching gears here i'm going to switch to the outdoors because sure. you offer so much you've got a seven-year-old a four-year-old and a two-year-old and this is a hard stage to get outside it's a lot to remember what would you say are some of your biggest challenges of getting out with kids sure um i would say it's getting easier um you know we're out of the um, the breastfeeding stage, we're out of the napping for multiple times in the day stage. So it is getting easier. But I find the hardest thing is just getting them outside in the first place. Yeah, there's toys inside and they it's more comfortable. And I know for me, you know, it's the socks and shoes and sunscreen and all the things you have to put on before going outside. So I feel like once we've actually got out there, it's great. They don't want to come inside. And so I'm learning that I need to set a good example. And so if I go outside with them, or if I just start hanging clothes on the line or watering the garden, they very quickly follow me. Or, you know, when we get home from school or kindy, rather than letting them come inside, I'll open up the roller door, say, hey, guys, go around the back. I'll meet you there with some snacks. Um, and then, yeah, they're so much happier. And they tend to stay outside rather than walking inside and pushing each other and fighting over the one toy they've got. Um, there's lots of sticks outside for them to fight over mm-hmm. or have themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's such a perfect answer because I would imagine that for most people that is the hardest part is just it's the same for us it's just actually getting over the threshold of the door and this Alistair Humphreys wrote a book called The Doorstep Mile talking about the challenge and it came it comes from some sort of saying and I can't remember 
I don't think he coined that, but it is tricky to get them out. But you post such beautiful videos of your kids out there. What are some of the benefits that you've seen? Sure. Um, I just feel like we're all better regulated. Um, I, I tend to get stressed if I'm inside and I look at all the things that I need to do. You know, you see a house unraveling in front of you and you kind of pick up one area and then they just go and trash another area. And you know, it's kids, like you get it logically, but it doesn't take away the overwhelm that you feel as a mother, or at least I, I feel like as a mother. But I feel like when I'm outside, I can focus on my children and I can be present for them. I love that my son, my youngest son, um, sees little butterflies and finds little bees and will try and rescue them if he sees them. They, they might get stepped on. And last week at the playground, he found a little bee and said, Mama, I get a leaf. And so we went and got a little leaf and put it on and I rescue bee, be my friend. Um, and then put it down on the grass and just for about 20 minutes, he just crouched down and watched his little bee even lay on the ground, just kind of looking at the bee. I help you. I protect you. You're my friend. You play with me. You go to a hive. You make honey. And it was just a beautiful, the most beautiful thing. And I think that's what happens. The more you go outside, the more you notice the little things, you notice the clouds. And, you know, the guy you had on a few weeks ago talking about the clouds really got me thinking, you know, how many times we go outside and just lie back and look at the clouds and talk about that with our children. Yeah, so I feel like we're a lot happier and more regulated outside. I feel like when we're out in the backyard, I'm more encouraged to weed the garden and plant more things and plant things to have more butterflies and bees come in our garden. And that's really important. I love the outdoors. And so I love going for long hikes and playing netball outside and you name it. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. So I don't think my boys had much of a choice. I was, you know, I'm probably a good boy mum because I'm not into the ballet and stuff. But yeah, just getting them outside is is really good for our family. And I feel like we're the, the best versions of ourselves when we're outside. What a sweet little story. 20 minutes. First of all, it's amazing that a toddler can be engaged for 20 minutes. I mean, I think that's one of the things that as parents were so grasping for. I know for myself that that I was before we started going outside, I need like <laughs> I need to catch my breath. You know, I need a little bit of a break. There isn't much indoors I think that holds the attention of a toddler for that long of a period of time mm-hmm. or if it does they're making a mess, right? Like if you don't hear them, then they're squirting the toothpaste everywhere or something like that. And so here he is engaging with this bee. It's holding his attention. He's working on his language skills, being empathetic, learning new things in just a 20 minute period of time. That little story goes to show the power in it. And you don't know, like you don't know what is going to be the thing that grasps their attention that day. But you do know you're out in a place that's conducive to life. And so there are going to be things, a kangaroo, (laughs) that catch your attention and that are so good for the kids. So that's really a beautiful story. And I liked what you said. Even if you know logically that our kids are growing fast and it's okay if the house is messy, it really does not take away the overwhelm. But I think nature takes away the overwhelm often. Often, if you're in the right place, if you're not maybe close to a busy road, that type of thing, it can definitely take away the overwhelm. Tell us about your yard. So you have got really fantastic ideas about making your yard a little bit more enticing or mud kitchens. What do you do? Sure. Um, So I realize that not everyone has a yard or has a big yard. Um, I'd say we have probably an average size yard. But yeah, I feel like if we want to entice our children outside, we we have to make our, our yards 
more exciting than the screens, um, which does seem a bit impossible, but I feel like with a few little tweaks that can happen. Um, I won a trampoline when my right before my second was born. So that's been a great addition. Um, and it's one of the fancy ones with the sides. And so there's so many things you can do on that, you know, we're kicking the balls or throwing balls at each other. Um, we're playing duck, duck, goose with our little ones. You can lie and watch the clouds on the trampoline or lie and read a book. So I feel like that's been a really good addition. Our mud kitchen is pretty rustic, but it doesn't really matter, right? As long as the kids have a spot where they can kind of have a platform to put all their utensils. We've got a beautiful oak tree outside. And so, you know, throughout the year, we have lovely acorns and that's a fun little thing to play with. We've got a sand pit right next to our mud kitchen. So, you know, sand and mud and water provides plenty of play. Um, so I found going to op shops or um, thrift shops, as you call them, um, to get some cool little utensils is really fun. Um, and I've spent some money getting some really nice metal ones where the, probably the old ladies who used to own them would roll in their graves if they saw what my children did with them. But I think the kids are playing differently. You know, when they've got nice stuff, they, they treat it nicer and they'll, you know, come and bring morning tea on a, on a silver platter. It's pretty fun. Um, so I'd say that's been a really good addition to our backyard. Oh, what else? We've got a swing set that I got free from the side of the road, um, and that's big hit, a chair hammock. I find that quite relaxing, and I've had little ones fall asleep on me sitting on there before. We got a massive cubby recently. We always wanted to get a treehouse. Well, I wanted to get a treehouse, and my boys did. My husband wasn't as convinced, um, but we just couldn't figure out how to build it in the oak tree, and it was going to cost lots of money. And mm-hmm. we thought, look, maybe down the track we'll do that, but for now we'll just get a secondhand one off our marketplace. Um, and it's been fantastic. It's got, um, it's quite high off the ground. There's a sand pit underneath. And yeah, I can stand up in there. It's super fun. And I feel like it's a nice place for our boys to go and to invite their friends and um, have secret, secret boys business. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, you've got such great ideas and you're doing it in a way that, you know, you're dealing with a budget or you're dealing with single income, that type of thing. You're, you're being creative with it, trying to find things that are economical. Either you're going to win it. <laughs> You're going to find it on the side of the road. You're going to find it on Marketplace. There's a lot of ideas. And yeah, just the mud kitchen things that you get from a secondhand shop or an estate sale. I mean, those are so fun to have the actual spoons and things out there. And you just need a couple pots, a couple spoons. We go to the river and our kids, you know, if I have one bowl and one pot and then they make soup, you know, and they put little leaves in there. And it's so simple, but it really catches their attention. So those are such awesome ideas. At 1000 Hours Outside, our play is our work. And when you work hard, you get hungry. That's why we are happy to be partnered up with Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Green Chef delivers everything you need to eat clean the easy way this December. Nourish your body with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great too. Looking to stock up on functional snacks and clean beverages to energize you through the end of the year? Shop their green bundles, now available at Green Market, your one-stop shop for nutritious grab-and-go breakfasts, including vegan options, brunch kits, wholesome lunches, ready-to-eat snacks, veggie sides, and more. You can easily add on to your weekly order. We absolutely love the easy-to-follow recipes, and it's a great way to involve the whole family in meal prep. And I know you will too. 
Go to greenchef.com slash 60outside and use code 60outside to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60outside and use code 60outside to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Tell us what you do for gear. I know you've got some really good ideas about gear. And you talk about, which I thought was a really interesting thing. I wrote it down here, cost per wear or use, which is a really interesting thing to think about because sometimes certain gear could be more expensive, but maybe you're using it a whole lot. So with three boys and kids can be rough on their clothes, what do you do for clothes and for gear? Sure. We're lucky um, in, in Adelaide we don't have snow. It's quite warm. It's kind of like a Texas climate. Um, so we don't have to have so much gear that you would most likely have to keep in your house. So that does save some money, it saves some space. But yeah, I find that um, sourcing good quality, maybe not clothes for the kids, but the like the overalls that they can wear in the creek or the um, wet weather gear, that definitely helps and it, it seems to last longer. I don't spend much money on my boys' clothes, I admit, because they grow out of it quickly and they do tend to trash it. So I often op shop or get hand-me-downs for those or try and get better quality items at op shops that still are cheaper than buying it new in a in a store, but then do last a bit longer. Um, some really good like um, hiking boots for the kids and gum boots. I keep lots in the car. I figure I don't want that to be an excuse not to go outside. So I'm a bit crazy. I've got pretty much everything in our boot, including gum boots <laughs> for me, because what if I want to jump in the creek as well, right? And so I feel like as long as we've got the nappies, the snacks, the clothes, we can stay out all day. And I like that idea. I don't want to be restricted by having to rush home for something. I probably spend more money on my clothes and my husband's clothes, knowing that they're going to last for longer mm-hmm. and we're not going to grow out of them, hopefully. So I recently bought some really good, um, I like trail running shoes. I'd like to get into that. I bought some hiking sticks. I bought special backpacks for when you go on long, long trips. You can like the camelback style ones. Yeah. So I probably selfishly spend more money on my own things, but mainly because, yeah, I'm going to use it long-term rather than growing out of it next year. Yeah, I think just giving myself permission that it's okay to buy the good stuff. You know, just maybe don't buy things as often. Buy the good stuff and then will last. And it might seem more expensive at the time, but you do get that cost per wear, which I think is probably more wise long-term. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think it's definitely not, you know, when you say selfishly, it's an interesting thing because anything that you buy that helps your family get outside more because i i actually think a lot of times we do it opposite we'll make sure that our kids have all of the things and then well we live in a state where there's a lot of snow and if you're miserable as a mom or as a dad as a caregiver you're not going to stay outside as long Mm. because you're miserable so i do think that there is something to be said about liking what we put ourselves in we like our hiking shoes we like our hiking sticks because that's getting enhanced the experience for our whole family and the cost per wear thing is really interesting like we um, especially for our little kids now that we have some older ones they don't seem to need it as much but for the younger ones eight and under we do a woolen underlayer for the cold Mm -hmm. months and it is so expensive (laughs) I mean, I, I never even considered spending. I mean, it might cost $40 for one kid shirt. I thought I was a sticker shock. I've never even heard of this. But it really does generate heat. And because wool, and not everybody can wear wool because some people are allergic, but if you can wear it, it generates heat and it's antibacterial and 
antimicrobial and all these things. So you can wear it every day before you need to wash it. And anyway, our kids maybe would wear that almost every day for six months. I mean, that's a long time, almost every day. And then you pass it down to the next kid. So when we would look at it as cost per wear, $40 to extend the season and to really get a lot more outside time, it definitely helps. And so I just love looking at it that way. And when you look at your mm -hmm. things, the things that you're buying for yourself, it's cost per wear, but it's also, it's like a cost for this extended experience. Yeah over many months, maybe even many years that your kids are able to get because mom's comfortable. So those are really good um, bits of advice. Thank you. I feel like it can avoid injuries as well. Like as a parent, if you um, just have one pair of shoes that you use for everything you do, you're more likely to slip on something coming down a hill. We've got, you know, conservation park that is quite slippery. So I feel like if you do invest the money in some good footwear, or some hiking poles, that's going to limit your injuries. So you're not off, you know, off work for a while. Um, so spending money before rather than, you know, recovering from an injury potentially. Mm -hmm. And this kind of leads into the fact that you're also working on your own fitness sometimes when you're outside, which is great. I mean, this concept of habit stacking, tell us how you do that. Sure. Yeah, I think Diane from the Minimalist Mums podcast is yeah, brilliant. Um, and so I've heard her talk about habit stacking. So, you know, when she does brushing her teeth, she'll do some squats. And so I try and do that if I'm on the exercise bike, I'll read a book or can't think of anything else on top of the head. But habit stacking for me, um, if we go do school pickup, um, rather than going home and then going out again afterwards, we're just trying to go to the creek straight after school. And that's been such a beautiful little um, routine in our week. I like the idea of homeschooling, but I also like a break for my children. Um, my husband's commented that I'm happier on days that I work, which I'm not really sure how I feel about that. But look, some of us, are <laughs> some of us, you know, we're, we're made to work. We're made to get out the house. And um, I think that is probably a good thing for me and my mental health. Um, so I'm like, okay, if I'm not homeschooling, how can we still get, you know, a thousand hours outside? And so, yeah. After school, we go to the creek and we go with a group of other students um, from the school and it's super fun. We Aww. we just hang there at the creek. It's like right opposite the school. We bring snacks, often way too many, and the kids just play and it it's idyllic. I feel like it's the street play that our parents used to do and I used to do, but we don't really have that option anymore as easily. And so we're just creating our own street play. We we call them our Creek Kids. And it's just been the most beautiful addition to our lives. Oh, Mel, I love that, our Creek Kids. How did that get started? Mainly just because a bunch of us parents park in the same spot every day because, you know, you know where you park, you know how long it's going to take to get your kids out of the car. And then as we walk back, we cross the road and then the creek is right there. So it honestly couldn't be any easier. And the kids just often like, oh, mum, can we play in the creek? And we're like, yep, go for it. And so they just run off and play. And so now they kind of just do it without asking and we're okay with it. We just go and hang in the same spot and chat. I often have my gum boots on too. And so I'll go down the creek with them. And there's little ducklings that come. There's, yeah, all sorts of wildlife. I haven't seen a kangaroo there. But, you know, sometimes a creek is running, sometimes it's not. And so you've got, you know, the balancing on rocks. Um, my two-year-old will often get stuck at the bottom um, and he'll be like, oh, help. And all these other kids will come and reach them. Like they'll offer a little stick down, it'll break. And I realize they'll really offer a hand instead. It's just super fun. And like, I laugh because I've always got, you know, dirty bottoms and the amount of times I've gone back to get in the car and we've tipped their gumboots out in the car for some reason and the muddy water just pools in the bottom. 
the amount of socks that we find weeks later that have just been thrown in the car. It's a bit crazy, but look, it makes me so happy. And I feel like it's the childhood my kids are meant to have. And um, Mm -hmm. if I'm not going to homeschool, you know, what are some tweaks I can make? You know, how can I add on nature? So I I turn the phrase like adding on nature to the everyday. What are little things you can do to get those hours outside? And it doesn't have to be massive changes. I feel like if we we think in about life in that we have to do everything big. We have to go for an hour walk. We have to invest thousands of dollars. We have to, I don't know, eat perfect food. We're not going to do it because then we're going to fail. Whereas if we just set ourselves up for success and go little bits add up. You know, I went for a 10-minute walk before the podcast um, after listening to Annabelle. Um, Annabelle Abbs, I love her book, 52 Ways to Walk, yeah. Yeah, and so self-inspired, you know, 12-minute walks. And so I went for this 12-minute walk. I brought my notes. I had my mouth closed to, to breathe in better through my nose. Um, and I was trying to, and I walked backwards after reading my notes to try and get it in my head. Um, so I'm a bit silly, but, you know, trying to have it stack, do little things, it all adds up and we can create a beautiful childhood for our kids no matter how we choose to home or choose to school our kids. Well, I think that's such a brilliant idea because this after-school piece, what a fun thing for a child to look forward to. So if they know that the rhythm and the routine is when I get out of school, I get to run over to the creek and play with my friends. That's beautiful. And people could do that wherever they go to school. For the most part, you know, usually there's a playground or some sort of a space that you usually can use once the school day is over because it tends to be, I guess I'm not sure how it is in every country, but here in America, usually once the school day is over, you're allowed to go utilize that space if you live in that community. And I guess even if you didn't, I'm sure if you were driving through, but what a fun thing. You just grab a couple families and say, we're going to stick around for a little bit. Everybody brings some snacks and then everyone is building strong community together. Maybe kids are meeting kids in different classes that maybe they wouldn't know or kids that are older and younger. So it's facilitating that mixed age play. You know, I hear often, Mel, people talk about that they do go to the playground after school before they come home maybe 45 minutes or something, but I've never heard anybody say they do it with a group. We're just lucky, I guess. You know, sometimes you do just have those beautiful spots around you and I feel like we've probably just made the most of it. So I need to write to council and ask for some more tables and chairs and more trees in that area. Um, I'm thinking now I've written a note down, I need to make a little mud kitchen there too. Like that would be fun. (laughs) But, you know, why not? Why not create a beautiful um, space for your children to play? And you're right, like the little ones play with the big kids and, the big ones will say, hey, and they'll give them cuddles and they'll play hide and seek together. And it just, it makes my heart so happy. Like I, I genuinely feel such joy watching them play. And as parents, and we have a chance to debrief about the day and, and talk and we don't have to organize play dates. It's really brilliant. I love the idea because you're already there. You're already all there. And if there's just a few parents, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier. It's this 12 minute walk. It's little by little. I mean, it doesn't have to be the whole class. If there's even just three or four other parents that have the same values and want to make sure that their kids are getting this social time, I like you talk about recreate street play. That's all you need. And you, like you said, you just make sure you have some snacks ready to go. And if you have an easy dinner, like I had a woman on a podcast that has this cookbook. It's now like my favorite one. It's like 30 minute meals. Or if you have something yeah. in the crock pot, then you have maybe have 45 minutes where after school, everyone has something to look forward to. Everyone gets a little chance to unwind 
and then you come home and you have your meal and you warm up or whatever. So I just, what a great idea. I hope people do that. I hope people do it, Mel. Thank you. I hope they grab a couple of friends from their kid's school and instead of hopping in the car and going home, they stick around a little bit. They park and stick around. I love that idea. Okay, tell us about your garden because you've been doing native species, flowering species. You're bringing the bees and the butterflies. What are you planting? Sure. Um, my husband calls me the um, accidental gardener. Um, I'm, I'm pretty random, a bit like my page. I like to think about different things. And so a few years ago, I wanted to start a garden, but I was just overwhelmed. I had you know, a, a newborn and life was just hard. And so I think I got given potted mint or potted basil or something. And so I thought, okay, I'll just start with this. And so I had them out the front and then I got hooked. And so I, I bought more things. And I had you know, I end up having about 30 pots <laughs> all in a row at the front of my house, but they seem to survive and it made me happy. I seem to kill indoor plants. I'm definitely just made to <laughs> the outside. And so one day I thought, okay, I think I can do this. So I went out the back and um, I quite like doing hard work and yard work outside. So I just started digging up some grass to make a garden bed. And I thought, look, if if we're going to build a garden bed, you know, it might take time. And I just want it, I want it today. So I just dug up grass, which actually took a really long time. Um, probably three hours later, <laughs> I had this garden bed. So very rustic right in the ground. But I figured I just need it done. I don't need it perfect. I just need something. And so I went backwards and forwards from my front yard to my backyard and just planted basil and coriander and who knows what else. And it kind of survived. And I just got excited. So I made the, the garden bigger. And look, it's not perfect. And there was plenty of weeds, but I liked being able to cook and go out to the garden and get herbs to make, you know, it tastes nicer. And then last year I saved the seeds from coriander and then parsley to then plant again this year. And so I had the heaps of seeds and I thought, oh, look, they're not all going to take. I'll just plant them everywhere and see which ones work. Well, they all, they all went, <laughs> they all grew. <laughs> and so I had coriander growing out of um, bricks through pavers, like everywhere. And so yeah, I joked with my husband that, you know, would you like coriander in your breakfast? Would you like <laughs> coriander in your toast? <laughs> we, we have a lot of coriander. Um, so I probably won't save as many seeds this year. I'll give them to other people. But, yeah, I just figure why not give things a go? And we've got beautiful neighbours on our street, including the ones opposite us who've lived there for 53 years. No, 63. I don't know, a long time. And so they've got this beautiful garden now. But they say to us, Mel, when we moved in, we didn't do anything in the yard for 10 years, hmm. like at all. It was survival. We had young children. The lady talks that they had Salvation Jane, which is like a bit of a pest here, um, this purple weed all through their yard. They had weeds that were a meter high. And you wouldn't know now looking at it. It's just this beautiful garden. You'd love to see it. But, yeah, I think then once the children were a little bit older, they had capacity and they just started small and they built up this beautiful garden on this double block and that encourages me. We don't have to do it all. It doesn't have to be perfect. But I feel like if we just start, it can get better. Um, and so we often get cuttings from them. And we've got a little side garden, which was just a patch of dirt a couple of years ago. And it bothered me. I'd look out the window and I'd see dirt. And I, I feel like, you know, why don't we make that better? And so I planted a few things. I had an hour and a half when my son was napping at the stage. And so I quickly drove to the local nursery, got some stuff, planted a garden, and by the time my son woke up, there was a garden there. And I feel like as a mum, you have to do that, right? You have these little snippets of time when they're little and, yeah, you have to pack your whole life into these little nap times. But now it's beautiful and we, we look out the window when we're inside and we see um, butterflies and bees. 
sluggies on rainy days, that my kids call them, and they watch them have little races like down the window, mm-hmm. you know, spiders that kind of just seem to live in the garden quite happily and create these beautiful webs that you see with the dew. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely not like a talented gardener, but I just give things a go and it makes me so happy. I love that, Mel. Because it's just about having some stuff. Like if you have some stuff, here's what I always wonder. Because, you know, if you've got butterflies buzzing around or bees, and we've had this cool thing this year, which I learned about that bees will sleep in the flowers. And then I actually got to see it a couple of times. I didn't even know that happened. And then I got to see it. I always wonder, like if the bees weren't here, you know, if the butterflies weren't here, where would they be? Yeah. You know, they're like in our stuff. And somehow the things that you create, make a habitat for them and it's so special that here they are with you and you're interacting and I'm I'm was thinking like would they be at someone else's house like where would they be but here they are with our things and I think those the herbs like the um there's certain ones that attract certain types of butterflies so how fun to have all sorts of different ones in your garden they're pretty easy to grow and then they smell good And like you said, you can add them to your food unless you have too much. (laughs) And so I'm definitely doing a garden at the moment. Um, We don't get much rain here in Adelaide. It's really, really dry. I think we're the driest state um, in the driest continent of the world. And so I'm definitely trying to do more natives. And so, um, yeah, getting free cuttings or going to a local place who sells them. And just they've come up lately and I've got these beautiful colours that I didn't know they would be until I planted them. So I, I love watering there every day and um, my boys are the same. And um, I think your kids watch you, right? Like they they learn from what you do. And um, my four-year-old the other day was super excited. He's like, mum, mum, there's a tree growing in the sandpit. And so I went out there and sure enough, a little acorn has um, started, or a little oak tree has started growing through an acorn in the sandpit. Wow. Like how cute is that, You right? got the sprout. Wow. Yeah. And so Archie, oh, I shouldn't say his name, but anyway, Archie um, got the little tree. We um, dug it out the sandpit and we went and found a spot out the front to plant it. And look, oak trees are quite big. Um, it probably isn't great in a front yard. But then I found another one down the side of the house because like coriander, I kind of plant acorns everywhere thinking maybe they'll grow. That'll be really cool. And so I've now planted one in our nature um, strip out the front and I figure by the time our boys are driving their cars, maybe they'll have a beautiful oak tree to shade them. How beautiful. Yeah, why not? Well, I love the idea of just like, here, I've got a couple of things I'm going to put them in the ground. It doesn't have to be something that we've mapped it out and we have this whole garden plan. Like, oh, I got a little space here. I'm going to dig up some grass. I'm going to put some things in or I've got this spot of dirt and in goes a few things and we'll just see how it goes. And you talk a lot about like these buy nothing groups and this would be an example of something that you can often get for free or very cheap. You know, like people's gardens expand. And so they're fine to give you some beautiful grasses or something like that to add to your garden and you can just share it. So that's so beautiful. I love to give gifts year round. It's honestly one of my favorite things to do for the holiday season, which of course is a time of gift giving. I'd like to recommend my listeners get a gift for themselves too. Gifts don't always have to be extravagant. Sometimes they just need to make your life easier. For example, I gave myself the gift of a better, more convenient laundry experience by making the switch to Earth Breeze. Think about how you usually do laundry. You have to work out how much detergent to pour and work out your arms, pouring from a heavy plastic jug, only to get goo all over the place. 
Have you ever not gotten it on your hands or the side of the bottle or the washing machine? Meanwhile, EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look like nothing I've ever seen in the detergent aisle. They are little sheets that you just toss in your laundry and watch them magically dissolve in all wash cycles, hot or cold. If you never want to put detergent on your grocery list again, they offer a flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. It ships for free every time. Right now, my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash 1000 hours. That's earthbreeze.com slash 1000 hours for 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash 1000 hours. Let's hit one more topic because this is a big one and you've got boys and everyone's outside. How do you handle the laundry? Um, I don't really mind it, to be honest. I think it's one of my favorite jobs. Maybe I'm a bit strange. I just, I guess we've got washing machine, right? So I just shove it in. I'm not too fussy about it. I don't really separate things. I would say that we bought a dryer this year, a tumble dryer, which would have been really handy when I had babies and um, did cloth nappies, but we didn't. Um, so that's been really handy in winter. I feel like that investment has just made our winter so much better because we, we don't need to own as much stuff. We can just chuck it in the washing machine, pop it in the dryer, and it's done the same day rather than taking three, four, five days on some of the really cold damp days that we have here. So, yeah, I'd probably just say, yeah, having a dryer has really helped us. Normally in summer, like I'll pop things out of the line today, it's 30 degrees, it will be dry in an hour. So we're definitely lucky. And I think that enables just being able to go outside and get dirty. Yeah, dirt doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you talk often about risky play and the benefits and also how do we handle that as parents? Sure. Yeah, I think it's tempting to say, oh, be careful or watch this. Um, Yeah, so I'm trying to be more mindful of my language when I'm at the playgrounds or um, at the creek. But yeah, just allowing your children to do that risky play, I think is really important. I remember reading somewhere that children, um, and particularly boys, have to do the risky play. And it's either going to happen when they're children, when you can control the environments, or it's going to happen when they're teenagers and there's fast cars or there's drugs or there's alcohol or girls involved. And so I feel like, you know, we've got a choice as parents, you know, what risks we want to provide for our children and um, what, you know, we can still have safe risks, you know, in a controlled environment to an extent. Um, But I much prefer that than waiting until they're teenagers and they finally feel like they've got some freedom and then now I'm going to test this. Now I'm going to go really fast. Now I'm going to try smoking or try drugs or do something with this scale because now I've got control or I want I want to do and see, do something and see what happens. You know, whereas if we give the, ch- the children a chance to prove themselves, I guess, before that happens, hopefully we can avoid that. So, yeah, I think just being really mindful of that, letting them run, letting them go really fast down hills and, you know, they might fall off, they might hurt themselves. But then you learn, right? You often know what you're capable of. You don't really need to have someone tell you to be careful. You kind of just ignore it. Um, Or maybe that's just me. (laughs) I can do it myself. And I think some kids do need to learn for themselves. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to be careful. They have to fall over to realise, okay, that hurts. Maybe I'll go a little bit slower next time. So I feel like yeah, thinking long-term, you know, what what kind of children do I want? So we want boys who are brave and kind. We want adventurous boys. We want boys who can ride bikes. And so we buy, like, really good bikes that are secondhand. And I feel like they're lighter and they're really easy to learn to ride on. 
and that's really helped. Um, we go swimming a lot and have lessons and vac swim, and I feel like that's really good too because you know, build the confidence. They've got skills. Um, they'll better go out and hang out with their mates or be lifesavers, do whatever they want to do, and they'll have those skills to help them. So it might be harder now. It might be investing some money into these skills and these bikes, but long term, we'll hopefully have these beautiful outdoorsy kids who've got some skills um, who could work in outdoor fields if they want to, rather than having kids who, you know, the screens are easier, right? But I don't want kids addicted to screens or on Fortnite. I want to make real life more enticing for them. So it might be a little bit harder now, but I feel like it will be easy later on. Mm. Well, I love talking with you. You're right there in it. And I think it's going to be so helpful for parents who listen in because you're doing it. You're doing it today and you're right in the midst of it and dealing with the screens and dealing with the hard parts about getting kids outdoors. And then you're also seeing the benefits too. But like you're still at the beginning stages where you don't necessarily know long term. And it really is an investment. I, there was one other topic. You, well, you have so many cool topics to talk about. Um, and since we have just a teeny bit more time, one of the things that you talk about is having outdoor parties. So different ideas for party locations, which is a fabulous idea. When you talk, we started at the beginning by talking about how you can get logically that things make, you know, a bunch of kids are going to make a mess. But you know, you still can be overwhelmed. But if you take that same group of kids outside, sometimes it really can change that whole piece of it because you're out in nature. So can you tell us some ideas there for taking our either parties or group activities outdoors? And what are some things that we can do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess this aligns my values of saving money where you can because kids' parties can be expensive, right? Um, so we had a party for our four-year-old last year and um, I just went to a playground that was super fun um they hadn't built toilets yet which wasn't ideal so a few parents had to go off and go to a service station bathroom um but it was a super fun playground and we didn't need to have anything fancy like they just played because that's what the kids want to do right they don't need a lock-in two-hour thing with hot chips thrown in yes it's kind of easy but it's so stimulating like overstimulating for a lot of children and that can cause anxiety so I just feel like Let's get back to simple. You know, let's go to a playground. Um, we went to a um, like a road safety centre recently and we hired that for my seven-year-old's birthday. And so kids just brought their bikes and their helmets or they could borrow some from there and the kids just rode around. And it was actually a real – it's middle of winter. So it rained the entire time. There were thunderstorms. Um, <laughs> but I just said to the kids and their parents, look, bring gumboots, bring a rain jacket and they all just rode in the rain super happy to be allowed to ride in the rain um jumped in muddy puddles I just walked around with my jacket on and I was happy too um and so you know we had to bring all the stuff to the place but then we didn't have to clean up the house afterwards and that was super fun um it obviously cost a little bit of money because we still had to hire a venue but it was outdoors and yeah it just felt it felt fun and a lot of parents commented on oh like this is this is a great idea. Like my kids love riding bikes and they weren't bothered by the weather. Um, so yeah, I think playgrounds, any kind of outdoor riding places, you know, go to the beach. There's just, yeah, lots of cool places. I think if you think outside the box and maybe lower your standards, you know, most parents don't care about fancy. You know, most of your friends probably don't mind about that. You don't need to impress people. Otherwise, maybe you don't have them as your friends, right? So let's, let's just do simple stuff and be okay with that and even the presents, like 
you know, say you'd like any presents or ask for $5 or something and then your kid can sort of pull the money and buy something that they want rather than everyone feeling like they've got to spend lots of money on presents. I just don't think we need to, right? Mm -hmm. But there's always pressure to. So I think if we talk about that too and can we just not spend crazy amounts of money on presents and locations and parties because then everyone feels like they have to to meet that same level. You know, well, I have to book the play cafe. I have to book, you know, the bowling or the lock-in venue. And it just makes it unaffordable for so many families. So, yeah, simple is good, I reckon. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful gift of simplicity, really, for everyone. Like you said, the parents come and they're like, oh, oh, wait. It's kind of like so often, like when I was a young mom, I didn't even realize outdoors was an option because I didn't know that the kids would play so well out there. I just didn't know. And so you expose parents to a different idea of, hey, this could be real simple, but the kids, I mean, I'm sure they would talk about those parties for a long time just because they're so much fun. They got to bike in the rain. I've done parties where, you know, we've got activity after activity and you're trying to run it as a parent, like run this game, right? And it's so stressful, (laughs) you know, so just to have that space where the kids can do what they really want to do anyways, which is just play with each other. That's a, those are such great ideas, the beautiful simplicity of it. And you talk about when you're talking about living a little bit more minimally, that goes along with the toys too. Like, well, what are some of your favorite open-ended toys? You talk about favorite open toy, open-ended open toys that keep your boys entertained for hours. This is what we want to know. Sure. So I think with the cost per wear or cost per use is really important. When I was a new mum, I just took anything free I could get. So we had so many clothes and so many toys and I was happy to do that, but it cluttered my house and we had too many options. Whereas I think the more I go into parenting, the more I realise I don't really want choice and my kids don't need choice. If they have lots of toys, they kind of tend to dump them out and they go to the next one or they'll fight over them. Um, whereas when you have less, they seem to go into the sort of deeper play. And so we find that Lego um, or Duplo when they're little and then Lego when they're a little bit older just does entertain them for a long time. Good old train tracks. I've just got an Ikea one. Um, just one tub and it's just great fun. And the next, yeah, probably the biggest um, open-ended toy that I like is magnetic tiles. Um, so we have, we started off with a cheap brand and it annoyed me because they just didn't stay together properly, right? Mm. And so I ended up selling them and I bought some um, kinetics, but there's lots of brands out there. And look, they're expensive. Like we probably own about $1,000 of magnetic tiles, which is ridiculous considering how little space it takes up. But, man, they are played with every day for, I reckon, one to two hours. They're just super fun. We've had parties um, or um, family gatherings at our house and the adults will just sit there and to start playing or they'll just be organising them. And it's so calming. Like, I'm not really into colouring books as a, a calming thing, but, man, kinetics super relaxing and therapeutic um you can build towels up to the ceiling you can put them on the floor um you can put them outside but i'm a little bit scared to do that um in case they get wrecked but you you can join them with the um (laughs) with the train tracks and duplo and you know we've got paw patrol and fireman sam toys because you know that's what kids are into and so just this beautiful play across the different tubs that we've got is really cool we don't really have many other toys like we we kind of do that we put away and we'll bring out. I've got little matchbox cars. But those three, the, the Duplo and Lego, the train tracks and kinetics, they're enough. Between that and outside, we don't really need much more. And um, I've been able to sell a lot of the other ones that 
um, is the nice wooden toys that looked very beautiful and were quite expensive, but my boys just didn't go for. So I think realising what your kids like, you know, I didn't really love the plastic key things, but my kids love Paw Patrol. They love Spider-Man and they love Fireman Sam. So, you know, just embrace what they like um, and get rid of the other stuff. It doesn't need to look beautiful, but I feel like they need to play with it. And when there's less options, they just play better, right? Um, when we've got less options in our, ward- our wardrobes, we find it easy to get dressed. And often on holidays, we like that because we've just got what's in our suitcase. So trying to replicate that for our children is really useful, even just outside as well, not having as many options with the gear. Um, my boys still throw every ball that we've got all over the yard and every skipping rope. But, you know, that's, that's children. But if we don't have as many to start with, there's not as much um, stuff all over the yard as well. Mel, you are just a delight. I love this. I love this conversation. I love this eclectic set of wisdom that you have as a mom and a mom with young kids. What's interesting is so much of it connects with the other pieces. So I love that you switch from the money savvy mom to just a savvy mama because really it does. It all kind of flows and connects. That the min- the minimalism works for toys as much as it works for your budget, as much as it works for your wardrobe, and as much as it works for just simple outdoor play and parties and all of that. So if people want to find you and they should come find you for lots of ideas and for lots of inspiration, you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And We Money, which I haven't heard of, I got, I have to check that out. You create content over on We Money, so lots of places to find you, and on your website, the Savvy Mama Two Vs Two Ms dot com. Lots of great articles uh, about managing money, about minimal living, and about outdoors. So a lot of things to inspire families. Uh, we always end with the same question. The question is, what is a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside? Sure. Um, so when I was about 10 and um, we went camping at Manbury Creek in the Flinders Ranges, um, I remember my mum stayed back at camp to look up um, after my little ones, my, not my little ones, her, her little ones, and my dad took my other sister and I on a long day hike. Um, we left early in the morning and we met an older hiker on the way who offered us some freshly cooked herb damper, um, which in hindsight we probably shouldn't have taken it from this random, but we did and it was delicious. Um, I remember it was a really hard hike. Um, it was long, it felt warm, um, there were lots of flies, um, but I love looking up the little trails. It just felt exciting. Um, it was really fun, like quite addictively fun. Um, I love seeing the view and the view was better because you had to work so hard to get up there. Um, yeah, I, I love feeling old enough um, to go on this special walk. Um, and Dad took a photo of my sister and I on this large boulder um, with our hiking sticks. Um, and it was just such a good day. Um, and I feel like it's it's funny that it's things that I remember that it didn't cost our parents much, but probably just a whole lot of effort. You know, taking little ones camping isn't easy. Um, but I'm so grateful they did because that sticks with me, um, yeah, to this day. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Doesn't it tie it all together? It ties it all together. The cost is effort, but it really makes a difference and it really lasts. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for taking this time to be here. Thank you for being so encouraging all the time. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that I really appreciate that. And it's really been fun to connect with someone, you know, who lives on the other side of the world. And we can still connect over so many shared passions and topics and so what a gift thank you for being here thank you so much